If you enjoy these podcasts, check out Enrico Signoretti's reports and blogs on gigaohm.com. They're about data storage and cloud computing, addressing all the topics covered in Voices in Data Storage. Welcome, everybody. This is Voices in Data Storage brought to you by Giga. I'm your host, Enrico Signoretti, and today we will talk about data storage, market and technology trends, as well as IT startups. And among other things, we will also discuss about what we have seen in 2018 and our expectation for this year. My guest for this episode is Stephen Foskent, a longtime friend, founder of Gestalt IT and Techfield Day. So the market is changing quickly. With the multi-cloud in every conversation, flash memory that is replacing mechanical drives for a larger number of workloads and applications, data management now on top of uh, the priority list for everybody, Kubernetes that is rocking the scene when it comes to container orchestration, new infrastructure paradigms like composability, and yes, security and data governance, with GDPR and similar regulation popping up almost everywhere now but also security aspect that we were underestimating a few years ago. And this is only a premise. But without any further ado, let me start this episode and introduce my guest. Hi, Stephen. How are you? Hello, Enrico. Pretty good. Uh, We're here in uh, Austin, Texas today for Tech Field Day. Wow, great. And um, I didn't introduce you properly uh, at the beginning of the show. So maybe uh, because we know each other since Storage Field Day 3, and I always give for granted that everybody knows your uh, event. So maybe um, you can give us a little bit of an introduction about you, your career, and what you do for a living. Sure. Thanks, Enrico. Yeah, I uh, always assume that people don't know who I am, but uh, I appreciate that uh, that you're assuming that you, that they do. So I uh, started out as a technic- technical person, uh, probably like yourself, doing uh, systems administration and storage administration. Uh, moved on to being a consultant and started doing writing and speaking at events. And before long, I had a whole group of friends who were uh, also doing the same thing, writing and speaking, blogging, tweeting. Um, And those of us in the space got together as Gestalt IT back in 2006 to write about uh, trends in the the broader industry, because I realized, you know, I couldn't just be talking about storage. I had to also consider the other aspects of uh, enterprise IT. That's kind of what the Gestalt uh, refers to. And um, you know, we started blogging together. Uh, pretty soon, we decided, "Hey, let's have an event. Uh, let's get together with some with some people who are uh, like minded and learn from companies and so on." And that's where Tech Field Day came from. Uh, a group of us were actually at a, a tech event uh, from HP and said, "You know, let's. I bet we could do our own event." And I said, "Yeah, I bet I could pull that off," and I did. That was 2009, and since then, that's become my job. Uh, so now, Gestalt IT is the company, and Tech Field Day is the event, and uh, we produce a whole bunch of these. Uh, events and different topics now. Security is the newest one, but cloud and networking and so on. But of course, storage. Great. And we will meet uh, again uh, at the end of this month for the, the 18th edition of uh, Storage Field Day. Yeah, that's great. Um, yep, we're, we're on number 18. So it's unbelievable but, uh, the success that you had with this event. It's a, it's a great thing for the uh, entire industry, I mean. So at the beginning of the episode, I mentioned a few market uh, and technology friends that are somehow changing the storage industry. Flash, data management, multi-cloud containers, new ways to design infrastructure, new regulations. There is a lot going on. What did you see in 2018 that was different from the previous years, for example? 
Yeah, that's one been one of the interesting things with Tech Field Day, and I know that you've probably noticed this as well, is um, we don't have a theme beyond just like storage, except there always seems to be a theme. You know, you go to Tech Field Day, you know, or let's, go, let's say Storage Field Day 16, and most of the companies are talking about NVMe over fabrics. And somebody could be forgiven for thinking that that was the theme of the event, that we intentionally invited that. But no, that's just what the industry is doing. And so in 2018, that was really what we started seeing. Um, you know, the first half of the year, it was all about uh, NVMe, NVMe over fabrics. Uh, you know, the second half of the year, uh, we started to see that fragment a little bit. So, of course, we're still talking about NVMe. Uh, we're still talking about fra fabrics, but we're talking about um, a little bit more mechanical. How is this going to work and what is this for? And that's what I see continuing into 2019 is companies, um, you know, trying to figure out, is this sort of a flash in the pan, if you'll excuse the, the metaphor, or is this uh, really the next generation of storage? And, and specifically, what is it for and what does it do for us? And, and that's, I think, the interesting question going into this year. In my personal view, I, I saw a lot of vendors switching their, their talking and now they mention uh, AI and uh, machine learning everywhere, especially they, they claim that uh, they are using these techniques to improve their products. Okay, I, I think it, most of it is marketing fluff, but you know, um, and I'm not even sure that this technology is ready for broad audience. But uh, anyhow, uh, do, do you have an opinion about uh, AI and machine learning in, uh, in the storage industry for 2019? Definitely. And this is, um, you know, what you say is true across the, the areas. That's the other interesting thing is because I get to see, you know, mobility field day and security field day and networking. Um, you know, I hear the same messaging coming out from those companies that I hear from storage, which is, you know, hey, AI, we've got AI, we've got ML. And I'm just going to put everybody on, on warning, especially I know a lot of the, uh, the product vendors listen to this podcast. Uh, I'm going to put you on warning. If you say AI and ML to me or to any of the tech field day people, our first question is going to be, is this really AI and ML? Is this really machine learning? Are you really doing deep learning? Um, and, and it's interesting, there is a nuance here in that some people, well, some people are just saying AI when it really just means like rules and stuff, and that's not AI. Other people are really using, um, you know, machine learning databases, uh, but kind of in read-only mode, if you know what I mean, where they'll, they'll have, um, you know, learning that's happened uh, at, the, at the home office, and then they'll just apply those rules. And then as information comes in, um, you know, whether it's logging, whether it's storage configuration or whatever, they'll just apply that to whatever data they see, uh, kind of, like I said, kind of in, in read-only mode. And then there's kind of a third category who are actually doing ML on the machine. So they actually have some kind of ML accelerator. Well, typically they would, otherwise it's going to be awful slow. And, um, and they will actually be learning in real time from the machine. And I guess in some cases that could be done in the cloud um, or at the vendor's uh, side of things. But, you know, it, it runs the, the spectrum there from <laughs> marketing fluff to yes, but passive to, hey, that's actually ML. Well, which is interesting. That uh, demonstrates that you are still at the beginning of this journey with uh, AI and uh, ML, actually. Another interesting aspect that uh, we saw during uh, 2018 
was uh, all the discussion around uh, multi-cloud and or at least hybrid cloud. Okay, and I think this will remain a strong topic also for 2019. A concept that was also validated by Amazon with uh, its uh, AWS Outpost, for example, and, and others. So what do you think uh, about it and how it, it is affecting the development of new storage products? Yeah, I think this is one of those um, kind of where the rubber meets the road kind of things. And I'm starting to see, uh, well, hybrid cloud has always been just like the most fluffy, ridiculous, useless marketing term. But I'm starting to see actual uses that sound like hybrid cloud to me. And one of the aspects of this that I think is important to consider, uh, this came from some discussions uh, over the last year, especially uh, you know at AWS reInvent, um, we were meeting with some of the cloud people and they're pointing out that um, many of these hybrid cloud solutions, um, you know, where hybrid means somewhere between there and here, many of these hybrid cloud solutions are kind of outside in, meaning you're, na- you're cloud native and you're trying to pull that stuff into the data center. Whereas other stuff is inside out, meaning you're data center native and you're trying to bridge out to the cloud. And once somebody told me that last year, I was like, oh, of course, this makes so much sense. Because then, you know, you start to look at things, um, you know, like the NetApp uh, ONTAP cloud, and you're like, of course, now I understand what the point of this thing is. You know, this is this is for companies who have data on NetApp and are trying to get out to AWS. Whereas if you look at like what NetApp is doing in, in, um, in Azure, for example, um, that's almost, you know, more cloud native and allowing people to pull stuff into you know, on-premises stuff. And, and so, you know, and, and the same can be true, for example, of Amazon Outposts. You know, that's definitely an outside-in kind of thing. Like Amazon, you know, you're using Amazon and you want some of it to be closer in. And so you put an outpost locally. Um, it, it really opens it up. And, and it does seem to me that uh, we're starting to get to the point now where cloud is not only a relevant architecture for enterprise applications, at least, you know, the cloud kind of applications. But, uh, you know, we're starting to see some actual, you know, implementable solutions here, you know, like HCI and so on. Right. And also, multi-cloud uh, also means that uh, you have to step up in uh, the data management game somehow, because, uh, uh, or at least from my point of view, okay, multi-cloud or not, uh, most of the organization are not able to consolidate their data in a few large repositories, and uh, data keeps growing anyway so if you can contain it um at least let's try to understand what you have what is its real value uh, the risks associated with the storing it or deleting it and so on okay what's your point of view about data management because uh, everybody now talks about data management even uh, data storage company that we are not mentioning it at all last year now they have some data management message somewhere in the website yeah. Yeah. And that is pretty interesting, isn't it? That, uh, you know, data management is finally becoming, uh, I don't want to say cool, but at least, uh, you know, relevant. Uh, you know, I, I, a mutual friend of ours, Chris Evans, has been writing about this a lot uh, in terms of data management and data protection and multi-cloud. And, um, you know, he's got a lot of good points, but uh, basically the, the summary is exactly what you said, that, um, you know, if your data is outside of traditional locations, then you really do need to get you know, get your head around it. You need to start thinking more uh, in terms of, you know, where is this data? 
what is the risk of putting this data out there? Um, what is the benefit of putting this data out there? If the data is out there on a different platform, how am I going to integrate uh, data management technologies and techniques from you know on-premises to these um, cloud platforms? Uh, does that even work? And again, you have to be very, very careful because a lot of the solutions that claim you know, cloud data protection, cloud data management, um, they, they're really not uh, apples and apples. So you look at what they're doing on-premises and then you look at what they're doing in the cloud and either they're different things or they're the same thing and it's ignoring the nuances of the cloud. And these are all big, big problems. And so I do think that this is going to be, you know, an unsexy but necessary step for the industry to start figuring out how are we going to do data management across you know, platforms that are truly different. Yeah, exactly. And there is not only that. If we think at uh, data management at large, there are a lot of uh, new nuances that, um, you know, were not in the in the realm of the storage administration. And now, you know, with the, the role the, of these people that is changing pretty quickly also, because uh, you can't have the same ratio of terabyte under management Persis admin now that you had in uh, you know in, uh, in the early 2000, for example. So you need to find mechanisms to manage data differently than uh, storage and, and data differently than in the past. Yeah, and you need to figure out uh, what data means to you. That's been another theme of uh, you know storage field day, cloud field day, especially with uh, folks you know like um, you know. Uh, Denny Cherry and Karen Lopez and so on, people like actual data people getting involved, they start pointing out that uh, what you when you say data, you don't actually mean data, you still mean storage, you're just using the word the, the D word for it. Um, because to a true a data person, a data expert, um, it's something entirely different. And um, I think that's another challenge that the storage industry is, is facing, and, and, and trying to tackle. Uh, what do we mean when we say data management right and uh, let's take a look at the infrastructure this year we we saw a lot of announcement around the qlc that now is finally uh, reaching uh, the status of a product available to everybody uh, memory class storage becoming more mature and with form factors that are more standard and usable and uh, and there are protocols to access this uh, this thing, like NVMe uh, over TCP, for example, which is slowly reaching, also in this case, its first commercial implementations. So somehow the new ICASI, I would say. Uh, what do you expect uh, to see in 2019 about these things uh, hitting the market? Well, I, I think that one of the interesting things that you mentioned there, uh, the QLC, it sounds like a nitty nitpicky little nonsense thing like you know why should i care about how many bits you're storing i mean that's that's not nothing but it actually is really important so again i'll call it attention to somebody else uh, jim handy the ssd guy wrote a blog post about this talking about the the fact that um in many ways um ssds are approaching price parity with hard disks and that's going to change everything now approaching we're not there but eventually there will come a, a crossover point at various capacities and in various use cases where SSD is cheaper than hard drives. And Jim's point was basically that's at lower capacities. Uh, you know, I mean, at the, at, the, at the time being, you know, we're not going to see 
um, you know, SSDs at the same dollar per gigabyte as hard drives at, you know, 20 terabytes. But, you know, as, as sizes get lower, we're going to start seeing it make more sense to use flash. And if we're going to use flash, then it maybe makes more sense to use NVMe. And if we're going to use NVMe, then maybe our whole application has to change. And, and so even little nitpicky things like the number of bits you're storing in a given amount of space can matter. Um, and it's the same with some of these other, uh, other aspects. I mean, one of the things that's held back NVMe is uh, just sort of the esoteric nature of implementing it. It's, it's, it's hard and weird. And suddenly we're starting to see efforts, you know, to standardize it, to standardize the interface. Um, you know, we're starting to see it, um, you know, more integrated into um, operating systems. And, and pretty soon maybe we'll start seeing this as a new, a really a new class of storage above spinning disk, just like spinning disk emerged as a class of storage above tape. And that brings us to storage class memory, which could be truly transformative if it actually happens right. Again, the industry is working on that, but we'll see. So if this stuff pans out, we can see true architectural change of a sort that we haven't seen since the 1980s. If it doesn't, and I mean fundamental architectural change, not just like, oh, my application is running on virtualization. I mean, like the entire system is designed differently. Yeah. But we don't know that. Yeah. And and it's also interesting to note that uh, <clears throat> these new protocols, for example, and these new technologies like, uh, you know, large flash drives are uh, somehow uh, enabling uh, new ways to design uh, the data center. And uh, there are now many startups working on these uh, new design paradigms like uh, composability. Uh, and for, uh, you know, in, in case somebody doesn't know what is composability, practically the, the data center is, uh, can be uh, configuring large resource pools and you can access this resource pool to configure your uh, server nodes, your, uh, what you need to, to run a, a workload. It, it could be uh done very quickly automated and then you can reconfigure everything for another workload so somehow uh even if it's a novel simplification we can think about it as a sort of a virtualization applied at the hardware level which is really interesting and um, so I, I know about uh, a lot of startups that are working on uh, on this uh, uh, concept of it composability and we met uh, a few of them in the past uh, field days. So, uh, do you do you see them reaching, you know, uh, the some sort of escaping velocity to exit the niche and uh, reach a larger market this year, or is this still a transition year, uh, 2019? I mean, I think they're still trying to find a market. Um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we see a lot of these companies with with field day, and so far, um, the composable space is not yet. Um, really, uh, even a, a, a small part of the enterprise in infrastructure, um, you know, but it just makes so much sense. You know, you look at the distributed and composable storage uh, concept architecture, and it just makes sense. Like, like what you're saying, um, I like to think of it as hardware containers, basically. Um, you know, I, I need to run a thing and I'm going to reconfigure my hardware to give me a, not a virtual machine, but a physical machine that has just the resources I need in it. And that's exciting. 
And that is also crossed over with this concept of distributed, because I think that's important as well. You know, you're not talking about, in most cases with composable infrastructure, you're also talking about distributed infrastructure and you're talking about distributed applications. And, you know, you combine these things and you can basically build just mega, you know, kind of new mainframe kind of things. But, but where is it? And right now it's nowhere. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll see this uh, sort of catch on. Um, I think the thing that, that it's waiting for in the enterprise is they're waiting for one of the big vendors to get on board. And I think that if we saw an, an uh, acquisition by a Dell or an HPE, maybe a Cisco in the composable space, um, I think that would be very exciting. And I think the one that's going to do it, frankly, is Dell because, you know, they've already shown with the PowerEdge uh, FX and MX and all that, they've already shown that this is maybe a direction they can take in the data center. And I would love to see them go all in. I'd love to see a uh, PowerEdge composable. Just like I'd love to see, you know, HPE have like a ProLiant composable. And then yeah. I think it would be And really uh, <clears throat> what are the other areas you think interesting in 2019? I, I, I know about a few startups founded by some very well-known guys in our industry, but still in start mode. But, uh, but again, you have a very good observatory. So I can mention many companies that choose your event for their first appearance, for example. So maybe an insider like you can give us uh, a few hints for 2019. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I actually bet that you might have more insight into the smaller startups because the smallest startups, I mean, sometimes they'll tell me, but I can't talk about it um, until they launch because that's my gentleman's agreement with them. I don't do NDAs, but I do friend DAs. And so I won't say what they're working on until it's time. But indeed, um, a lot of these companies do use uh, field day as a way to, to come out, especially the ones that are more confident in their, in their product. And um, we do, in fact, at, at the end of the month, you know, you're going to have a new company launching it at, at uh, storage field day. Mm -hmm. um, they're listed as secret company right now. I can't tell you what they're doing. But I can say that if you look at some of the other new companies in the space, there's obviously a trend in the industry and it gets right to what you've just been talking about composability distributed storage um you know combining resources and managing you know resources i mean it's it's kind of like a um you know it's it's the borg of storage you know people look at the borg and you see a monolith but that's no monolith that's a, a hive and and i think that that's the direction that the industry is going so we have to wait uh, storage field day 18 to to get more about this February 27th, you'll, you'll know all about this next company. And of course, we've also got some, you know, other exciting companies there. And um, it's, it's fun to, to see not just the newest companies, but also to see how the companies are growing and adapting and changing and learning. Yeah, in fact, the list is really interesting. So there are companies like NetApp and Western Digital, which are, you know, big vendors. And uh, on the other side, you have um, Datera and other startups that have a, uh, interesting product, but actually still, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking for sometimes for a market for their product. So they, they are very interesting on paper and maybe uh, they still need to, to find the right use cases for it. Yeah. And um, yeah, so you mentioned Terra. I think they're in the category of companies that I think have gotten their second wind and are figuring out exactly what it is that they're doing. You know, so they brought in a new team and, and they figured out, you know, uh, kind of where they're going. Um, you know, you've got Cohesity, who clearly knows where they're going. 
Um, and then you've got these new guys, you know, Storepool, Weck.io, and the, and the new uh, secret company that are, um, you know, emerging with great new ideas. Um, you know, and of those, you know, in Storepool already has some uh, establishment. Weka has some establishment. But this new company, it's, it's all new. It's, uh, you know, and so we'll see. We'll see if they're able to transform themselves into a cohesity or if they're able, you know, if they're not. Okay, Dan. So the, the event is... Uh for the 27th of February, and uh, I'll be there. So thank you again for having me at the event. And um, now, how many events uh, like this do you organize during the year? Because we talked about uh, security cloud, uh, storage field day, tech field day, which is the original one. So there are many now. Well, there's different topics, um, but in each topic, we only do it twice a year. So, um, you know, you look at... Uh, you know, you look at the, uh, the, the event uh, calendar like we do in, internally, and um, there's quite a few on the calendar. But, uh, you know, if you look at it as, you know, uh, I'm Enrico, there's only two storage field day events. You know, you, you look at it from, uh, you know, the perspective of, you know, the packet pushers guys, you know, there's, there's two networking events. Mm -hmm. So it's not as many as it maybe um, might seem <laughs> if, you, if you look at the entire list. But yeah, so we have storage, uh, networking, cloud, security, mobility, and then tech field day. And Tech Field Day and Cloud Field Day are both kind of, um, you know, the, the, the genre bending events where you can have almost anyone, you know, I mean, we're at, at Tech Field Day this week and, um, you know, we've got quite a variety of delegates and, and quite a variety of, of company conversations here, you know, from VMware's vSphere team to, um, you know, Dayterra to NetApp and SolarWinds. And you look at, uh, you know, the same thing is true of Cloud Field Day. So we're pretty excited that, you know, Cloud Field Day is kind of, you know, tech field day, the next generation. And so, you know, you may see some familiar companies. You'll probably see some new companies there that wouldn't present at tech field day, but even the familiar companies, you know, you've got rubric and cohesity, for example, what they're presenting at cloud field day is totally different than what they would present at storage field day because the delegates are different and the audience is different. And so the delegates there are more cloud first and want to know, you know, about APIs and integrations and, and, and the people at uh, storage field day are my, like more likely to ask you know how does this thing work on a nuts and bolts level and so it's it's fun to see the same company have a different approach in different areas okay and uh, and i'm sure that you get this question all the time so how can somebody can become a delegate for a tech field day event well we would love to have you we're always looking for new people um you know one of the i think um one of the things people say is, oh, all the delegates, they go work for the vendors and then they can't come to Tech Field Day and that's going to ruin you. It doesn't because over all these years, what we do is we, we're finding new people and um, the new people are exciting and have new ideas. And so we are constantly looking for them. That's one of the things that I personally spend a lot of time doing, you know, looking on Twitter, reading their blogs. Um, and uh, also we have uh, the ability for people to submit their name. Uh, you know, the easiest way is just to reach out to me. Um, you know, find me uh, wherever I am. I'm S. Foskett on like every social media platform and just let me know that you're interested. Uh, we also, if you go to the Tech Field Day website, techfieldday.com um, slash delegates uh, slash become field day delegate. Um, there's a menu. You can click on it if you don't want to type the URL. Uh, it describes what we're looking for and has a little form that you can submit your name. Uh, and we do, we do actually look at those forms and and bring people in from those forms. It's a great way for us to kind of get introduced to new people. But, uh, you know, forms are impersonal. Just just drop me a Twitter message. That's easiest to ask Foskett. How can people uh, follow the event uh, at home? 
Thanks. Uh, yeah. So the the easiest thing to do is just go to techfieldday.com um, or uh, on Facebook. If you're a Facebook person, go to Facebook slash techfieldday, uh, YouTube slash techfieldday. And the videos are posted uh, there. Uh, they're live streamed on the website as well as on Facebook. Um, we post product, produce them and post them to YouTube after. But, um, you know, that's probably the easiest way to, to follow along. Um, like I said, this Thursday and Friday, we're going to be uh, here with Tech Field Day, and then the 27th through the 1st is um, is Storage Field Day. Uh, in between there, actually, um, on the uh, next week um, is Networking Field Day. So if you're interested in uh, in networking topics, that's February 13th through 15th. And, um, you know, just go to techfieldday.com, uh, click on the event, watch the live stream, tweet. That's another way that we find new delegates, honestly, is, you know, sometimes we'll see people active on Twitter, um, you know, asking good questions, making good comments, and we'll say, hey, that's somebody we should invite in the future. Uh, sometimes some people even, uh, you know, write a blog post about the presentation that they saw, and we'll notice that and say, oh, wow, this, this person's great. And that's, you know, the, the most surefire way to get involved. Fantastic. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up the, this episode. But again, can you give me uh, your social media handles for uh, Tech Field Day and uh, your personal one so that people can contact you? Sure. Uh, I'm S. Foskett on Twitter. Uh, that's the best way to find me. Um, and uh, Tech Field Day is just Tech Field Day. And Gestalt IT is just Gestalt IT. And, um, you know, you can go to techfieldday.com, gestaltit.com. You can go to blog.foskett.net. That's my personal blog. Uh, and um, love to hear from you. Great. Thank you again, Steve, for joining me today. And uh, see you soon at uh, Storage Field Day. Yep. See you in California. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode of Voices in Data Storage, please check out the other ones. Unstructured data management is the focus of a report Enrica wrote for GigaOM Research. To find out more about how data storage is evolving in the cloud era, download the single report or subscribe to GigaOM Research for future forward advice on data-driven technologies, operations, and business strategies.